Welcome to Finish Well Radio, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. And we are going to talk about something near and dear to my heart, which is the Sunday Sermon. And you're thinking, oh, the Sunday Sermon, what can be said about the Sunday Sermon? Well, I think you'll find there's a lot that we can discover about what a blessing the Sunday Sermon is to our life, and even beyond that, other things as well. So, let's get started. I want to give you a bird's eye view into the typical week of the average American Christian. They love the Lord, and they really want to live for Him, but they seem to have issues in their life, and they think, oh, will I ever change? Why can't I remember that truth that the pastor talked about? Why do I feel so discouraged? Why aren't I growing in the Lord? And so... They go through these weeks of just not victory, of just kind of survival. And then they come to church on Sunday and they're encouraged. And then they wake up the next morning and they can't remember anything about the sermon that applies to their life. And they find themselves in this same cycle of difficulty, then encouragement, and then right back to difficulty. And one of the things that I have learned over the years that I've been a pastor's wife is that some of us need to renew our mind about the Sunday sermon. So let me start with a truth that I believe is biblical. God is speaking right to you, wherever you are. He knows where you are. You belong to the local church. And so every single week, that a sermon is going on at your local church. God is speaking to you. He has truth for you. He has encouragement for you. He has a blessing for you. And that's why if I'm out of town, I find out what the pastor preached on or I listen to the sermon online because I want to get all that God has for me and I don't want to miss out on anything. So God is also speaking to the entire church, not just me. So he's speaking to me as an individual, but he's also speaking to me as part of my local church and then also as part of the church universal, which is every single Christian in the whole world that is truly born again. Now that I've said that, (laughs) I think that should immediately say, okay, the sermon is important. God has something to say to me. And then the next truth is this. God is faithful and his word is effective. It says in Isaiah 55 that God's word does not return to us void but it accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent that is a tremendous tremendous truth because basically what God is saying is that when his word goes out whether it's spoken or preached on or taught on when his word goes out by a servant of God It will not return void. It will accomplish a purpose. And so I know that when I listen to the word, that God is going to do a work in my life. So a lot of times I'll talk to people and say, how was church? And they'll say, oh, I love the sermon. It was great. 
or I really enjoyed the preaching or something like that. And I always wonder, well, hmm, what does that mean? Because does it mean that you enjoyed the sermon because you didn't feel any conviction? Does it mean you enjoyed the sermon because the pastor made you laugh or kept you entertained? Because that's not how we judge a sermon. We judge a sermon by, did God speak to our heart? And that's not really judging the sermon. It's honestly in judging our heart because God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? And, you know, in our day, I hear people so often say, well, the pastor was boring or the Bible study leader was boring. And really what that means is that in your heart, you weren't attentive and hungry for the word of God. You had a mentality to come and be entertained. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to be entertained, but I think it is wrong to go to church to be entertained or to go to Bible study to be entertained. So with that in mind, I want to encourage you to listen to a sermon in a new way. Learning information is not a goal. It's just a means to an end. So if you're sitting in the sermon and your goal is to become a theologian, it's great to be a theologian as long as the being a theologian is a means to an end of knowing God and living for him. So I hope that makes sense because part of what's going to really help us in applying Sunday sermon to the rest of our week is to have a different attitude toward the sermon and to be able to take truth that we hear in the sermon and put it in place for the week ahead. So with that in mind, I'm going to talk about how to listen to a sermon so that you can apply it to the rest of your week. And I just want to add one more thing. I've led Bible studies for so many years. And my husband has preached for so many years. And there are sermons that he's preached that have been so entertaining. There are sermons that he has preached that, you know, it's maybe been an off day and they're not as funny or entertaining or anything like that. But I honestly get the same from every sermon that I've heard him preach because in my heart, I want to hear the word of God and I want God to speak to me. So I'm there waiting for God to speak to me. I'm not there to to be entertained. I'm not there to be able to tell Mike, oh, that was a great sermon or honey, you really need to work on that. But I'm there to be able to hear the word of God and respond to it. And so that's really changed my life to be able to do that. And I feel the same way in a Bible study. I cannot tell you as a 57-year-old woman, how many Bible studies I've sat in where I know that I know more of the Word of God than the younger person leading the Bible study. And in spite of that, every single time I get blessed and ministered to because it's not about how much of the Word that person knows and does he know more than me. It's all about my heart and is my heart attentive and hungry. And I do want to say this before we go on. That the Bible says, do not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And that is, you know how easy it is to get in the habit of not going to church or not going to Bible study. It's such an easy habit to fall into because our flesh 
And the devil war against us being in the presence of God and receiving from the presence of God. And um, I've just seen so much harm come to people when they don't obey the scriptural principle of that. And they begin to make the habit of meeting together optional. So I really encourage you. The Bible says in Acts 2020 that they met in the temple courts and in homes. And I really believe that's a principle for today of meeting in the large group setting and meeting in smaller groups because the smaller groups give us an opportunity to minister to others. And as we minister to others, we will find that the Lord is ministering to us as well. But again, our our purpose in, in coming to church or going to Bible study is, Lord, we want to hear your voice. And we want you to use us to build up the body. We want you to use me. I want you to use me to build up other people. Inevitably, when people miss church, so often it's a Bible study or a sermon they desperately need in that moment of their lives. And so sometimes I'll try to take notes and share it with them or, you know, encourage them to listen to um, it online because... I think that so often we don't position ourselves to receive the grace of God. And I was talking to a friend last night and I was saying this. If there was um, one place in the roof where the rain was coming through and I wanted to catch that rain, I would not just put the bucket randomly. I would put the bucket right under where the water was coming through. And that's basically what we do if we think of the water as the word of God and the Holy Spirit. We position ourselves to receive from God. One of the best ways we do that is by going to church, by listening to the sermon, by serving, is by going to Bible studies, by listening to the Bible study, by serving. So um, I know in our day it's not cool to, you know, necessarily go to church every Sunday and everybody, but I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to miss church or Bible study because my heart is always hungry for God and I want to hear what God has to say and I want to be there. And um, so anyway, with all that said, let's move on. So we're going to listen to the Sunday sermon because we want to apply it to the rest of our week. We don't want to live a defeated Christian life during the week and then be encouraged on Sunday. So one of the first things that I make sure of when I'm listening to a sermon is that I'm comfortable and I'm awake. If I'm kind of tired, I might like, you know, walk outside and get some fresh air in my face just for a second and get right back in just to wake up or grab a cup of coffee or something to just make sure that I'm awake and alert because I want to be able to be awake. I want to be comfortable. And then I always pray as the pastor's praying, then I'm praying too. I'm like, Lord, show me where in my life, in my heart, I'm supposed to be applying this teaching today. Show me. And as I'm taking notes, Lord, help me write down the things I need to write down. And so that's just my private little prayer. But I do that. Sometimes I take notes. Sometimes I draw little pictures to remind me of something. Sometimes I'll just like star a passage in my Bible because I know what the Lord wants from me 
is to go back to that passage and reread it and reread it and reread it. And so I want to be really open to whatever he has in that way. One of the things I like to do, my husband's a pastor. I have a big crush on him. I like to amen him. Amen. Amen. But there's something about physically being involved in amening the pastor is what I call it, is that it it keeps your attention focused because when he, you know, says something and it's really ministered to your heart and I say, amen, there's something that happens inside of me because as I'm verbally saying amen to it, it's as if I'm declaring, this is my truth. This is what I'm believing and this is what I'm holding on to. And then also, I always think about the big picture. Say the pastor is preaching a sermon on singleness. I don't tune out and say, oh, well, I'm not single. I never was single. I got married when I was 22. I was single, you know, in college. And is that considered single? And then I'm off on my own little random thing. I don't do that because singleness matters in my life. Why? Because I have children and they'll have single years because I have friends that are single, because there are people that I minister to that are single, because there's people that I want to lead to Christ that are single, because I don't know, you know, when God is going to call my husband home, I may have a season of singleness. So singleness, even though I'm married and have been happily married for years and years, singleness applies to me. And if I see the big picture, I don't tune out. So, and it's the same if you're single and you're listening and he's talking about marriage. You don't tune out and say, well, I'm not married, so this doesn't apply to me. Well, you might be married. Your parents were probably married or are married. You're going to minister to married people. Marriage matters to you. So um, if you're listening to child rearing, if you're listening and maybe you have an empty nest, it doesn't mean God isn't speaking through that sermon to you. Not only is he speaking to you about the topic but there are going to be nuggets of truth in the sermon that are just for you. And I think sometimes, so often I think we miss all the nuggets of truth God has for us because we're evaluating instead of being attentive and listening to God's heart. And so I keep saying this, but I just want to say it again. Come to a Bible study Come to a sermon with a heart to learn, with a heart that's teachable. One of the things that I like to do is to have a little notebook. I like to take notes that really, really matters to me because then I can go back and I can review the notes later and that can really be helpful for me. So I don't know, you know, if you're a note taker, some people are, some people aren't. I know it's so easy now with phones. And then I'm going to say something about phones. It's very rude to be playing on your phone and texting and Facebooking people and making a grocery list during a sermon. It's rude to the pastor. However, beyond that, it's harmful to yourself because you're missing out while you're distracted by those things. You're missing out on what God is speaking to you. So, Yes, it is It is disrespectful, but even more, it's harmful. It hurts you. So I would really encourage you not to do that. And if you feel like you're distracted, I know so many people read the Bible on their phones. And some people, they just open the Bible and that's it. But other people, I notice when they read the Bible on their phone, they get distracted 
by, you know, maybe a text message or something on Facebook. So if that's you, then just dust off that old Bible on the shelf and start bringing your Bible so you're not distracted. We're going to go ahead and we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about now that we've listened to the sermon and we've taken notes and we've asked God to show us what to write down and what to remember, then what happens when we get up the next day? And we'll be right back and we'll talk about that. Powerline Productions wants to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Because of this, we offer a wide variety of books and ebooks about homeschooling, homeschool classes, and Bible study workshops like Real Men Build. Pastor Mike and Meredith Curtis, along with their daughter Katie Beth Curtis, have written this comprehensive Bible study to help men of all ages grow in leadership in the home, in the church, and in the world. Learn more at powerlineprod.com. That's P O W E R L I N E P R O D.com. Powerline Productions, being world changers, raising world changers. You've been listening to Finish Well Radio on the Ultimate Radio Network. Now, back to your host, Meredith Curtis. Hey, welcome back. I'm so excited that you're here. We're talking about how to apply Sunday Sermon to the rest of your week. And now we're talking about setting yourself up for success. And we've listened to the sermon, we've taken notes, we've asked the Lord what to write down, and we've gone home, we've gone to bed, and now we're getting up. And so the first thing I would encourage you, if you really want to take Bible studies and sermons seriously, is to reread the passages and your notes in your quiet time the next day. And if you don't have a quiet time, that's a whole other topic, but I would encourage you, just spend time with the Lord each day. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be five hours or 45 minutes. It can be five minutes. But make time every day to spend with him, and you will find yourself growing in affection for him, and you'll find him teaching you so much one-on-one in the Word, and you'll be able to pour your heart out to him. I just love having quiet times. So anyway... You're rereading the passage and your notes in your quiet time the next day. And then you prayerfully consider what is God wanting you to do? Because now you're out of church. You're away from your friends. You're by yourself with the Lord. You're facing your Monday. Oh, your Monday. Or maybe if, you know, it's after Bible study, it's your Thursday. But you're facing that. And God has things that are going to happen in that day that he already knows about. But most likely you don't know. I mean, you probably have an agenda, but you don't know how everything is going to unfold. And so I usually start out and say, Lord, this is what you showed me yesterday. Now here it's Monday. What are you wanting me to do with what you showed me? Are you wanting me to remember that you're with me, the promises that were shared? Sometimes the Lord will just say, you know, I want you to remember the promises 
that I shared with you. And I might write them down on an index card or just remind myself of them throughout the day and just remind myself God is with me. He's for me. He's going to do this. Other times it's a principle and maybe it's something big. Maybe it's something big in my life. Like maybe, maybe I struggle with discipline in my life or maybe I struggle with anger in my life or, and maybe God is giving me some keys for freedom in there in the sermon and he'll show me, okay, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So the next time you get angry, purpose to speak gently. And so anyway, there could be so many different things the Lord will show you. But the main thing he's going to show you is a very specific thing from the sermon that he wants you to think about and apply to your life. So after that, I always do this. I ask for opportunities to obey. Now, that's within reason. (laughs) Like, you know. There are certain things I don't ask for. Like, I don't say, Lord, send me a trial so I can be joyful in the trial because I know trials will come. I don't need to pray for them. So Sunday, Mike talked about sharing the gospel. So maybe I'm thinking in my mind, I want to be focused on others when I'm out in the grocery store, at the YMCA. I don't want to be wrapped up in my own world. So would you give me an opportunity to start a conversation with someone. Now, once I pray for that, then I have to look for his answer. I can't just make him bang me over the head with a concrete block to say, okay, hey, now you can talk to this person. So anyway, that's what I want to do. And then also another thing I do is I talk to others about the sermon. You know, I live in a house full of people that heard the sermon too. So I can just say, hey, what did God speak to you? Wasn't that a great sermon? This is what he's speaking to me because there's something about talking about things that causes it to get more set in your heart. And then just a note, and I talked about this before, never evaluate the speaker unless he contradicted scripture and then talk to him privately. Here's an example. I had a friend and she was just telling me, oh my goodness, our friend, I'll call him Fred. Our friend Fred has just grown so much as a Bible study leader. I'm so excited about his Bible studies now. I can really see that he's grown a lot. And then less than three months, three weeks later, three weeks later, she was telling me how her husband doesn't like Fred's Bible studies. And then she went on and criticized them too. And I was like, wait, she was just telling me how much she liked them three weeks ago. This is so weird. And I realized that as she was talking, that it was because her husband had spoken negatively about the Bible study leader. And when people speak negatively to us, Even if we don't want to, those negative thoughts start to make their way down in our heart. So we definitely don't want to do that to other people. Now, if he does something that's a sin, like contradicts scripture, we can go to him privately, but we should go inquiring saying, hey, 
this is what I thought you said, but I'm not sure what you said. Um, can you help me understand what you're saying? Like, don't, you know, say, oh, you heathen, blah, blah, blah. And I know that happened because um, someone who's very close to me once was making a point in the church and they overstated what they said. And they said something that because they overstated their point, it ended up not being not lining up with scripture because it, it was just overstated. And so someone was so upset and they came to my husband and my husband said, I've already gone to him because I saw that that's what he did. And he's already said, no, this is what he was trying to say and explained it to the person. And the person said, oh, my goodness. Okay, I get that. Yeah. So if you're like me and you have my personality, I overstate stuff all the time. (laughs) See, all the time. (laughs) That's an overstatement. But it's just because I want to make a point. And so I'll be so emotional and dramatic. So, you know, just have grace for people. But definitely, you know, go in an inquiring way and ask if you're disturbed in your spirit. But don't say anything negative. In fact, always try to build up your leaders. I know that as a pastor's wife, there's so many leaders coming up, and I always try to speak really highly of them and affirm them and and talk about them highly to other people because I want them to have a positive experience in serving other Christians. So how do we overcome We've taken our notes. We've prayed now for opportunities to obey. And now maybe the Lord is saying, okay, I really do. Like, this is something that I'm I'm doing in your life, and I want you to cooperate with me. Well, the first thing to remember is that the blood of Jesus wipes away our sin. So if we're struggling with someone, something, you know, and, and we are repenting, and we're being reconciled with God, and we're asking him to help us change, it doesn't change our standing before God. We are still holy with the blood of Jesus, holy with the righteousness of Christ. And so um, the second thing is that God pours out grace to us that we can't change ourselves, but Jesus can change us. And so we have to be in a place of surrender to Jesus. And if we are, if we realize we're standing before the Lord and he's pleased with us, he's also willing to change us. We just need to cooperate with him and surrender to him. And so what are our weapons? Our weapons are the blood of Jesus, our testimony and scripture. The Bible calls scripture a knife, the sword of the spirit, not a knife, a sword, (laughs) the sword of the spirit. I like to think of it as the machine gun of the spirit because it's so powerful. And then there's our testimony. Our testimony is so powerful. God changed me so much when I got saved. I am such a different person. And that's not because I decided, oh, I'm going to serve Jesus. It's because Jesus came into my life and completely changed me. And so my testimony is powerful. And of course, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus brings forgiveness and purification and all kinds of things. So when we think about overcoming something, Fix your eyes on Jesus and the weapons he gives. Don't think that you're going to muster up enough self-control to change yourself. Don't think that you're going to be able to manipulate situations to make yourself change. You have to surrender to Jesus. And 
part of what he's already doing is giving you teaching and feeding through the word that you can hold on to that you can be in a situation and you think, wait, what am I supposed to do? Wait, we just talked about this. The Bible says I'm supposed to give a gentle answer or the Bible the Bible says the last shall be first, so I'm not going to seek my own way. The Bible says not to praise ourselves, so I'm not going to compliment myself. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to compliment others or whatever situation that we're in. So Bible studies, sermon, words of encouragement, they impart life. It's not just the sermons. It's not just the Bible study leader, but it's all those people that speak. It's all those people that we greet on our way into the church. And if we're in an attitude where we're building others up by imparting life and speaking the word to them and saying, God is with you. He's for you. I see you growing so much. I see God moving in your life. If we can be that for other people, the Bible says that we will reap what we sow. So we're not just going to be pouring out to other people and getting nothing back. That's not what scripture says. So when you go, bring your umbrella. If you pray for rain, bring an umbrella. If you pray for oil, bring an oil container. You know, and remember I gave you that picture of the roof and there's a hole in the roof and there's water coming down. Put your bucket right under that hole because what we need is life from the Holy Spirit. What we need is life from the Word of God. And so as we focus in our life of getting into position to receive from God, see, the Bible never tells us to evaluate other people. The Bible only tells us to evaluate ourselves. Am I listening to the Word of God? Now, I'm not talking about sin, blah, blah, blah. You know, if we see our brother sinning, we're supposed to gently rebuke him. But the Bible doesn't say to evaluate if people are, you know, loving you enough. Or the Bible doesn't say to evaluate if the pastor or the Bible say leader is funny enough. He doesn't say to do that. Instead, he says to have a teachable, humble heart and to receive the word of God, which has been planted in you. And God has planted his word in our heart. And every time we hear a Bible study, every time we hear a sermon, he's planting more truth in our heart. And that truth is going to be there for us to pull out and use in situations. It's going to be able to be pulled out and used when the devil lies to us to say, no, that is not the truth because this is what the Bible says. And it, it is going to give us wisdom when we're confused, when the enemy tempts us so often when the enemy tempts us, we don't even realize we've fallen into his trap until someone may say, hey, what's going on? And we go, oh my goodness, I've completely fallen into the devil's trap. Lord, get me out. And so the Lord does get us out. Often he gets us out by speaking through another believer words of encouragement, words of life, words of challenge, urging us to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. So the bottom line is this. Jesus loves you. He rescued you from your sin. He put his spirit within you. He gave you his word, which is powerful. Remember the machine gun word of God? And 
His heart is to feed you. The Bible says that Jesus is our good shepherd. He leads us beside the still waters. He nourishes our soul. And the, we get, our souls are nourished as we gather with other believers. Our, our souls are nourished as we meet with him in our quiet times. And if we're trying to live the Christian life and we're not getting nourished, and I, I just want to say something too. Feeling happy and giddy or feeling, you know, oh, I'm nourished. Da, da, da. That's not necessarily being nourished. We don't have to, you know, feel a certain way or have certain things happen to be nourished by the Lord. The Lord is nourishing us if we position ourselves in the right place. We will be nourished. And then the question is, are we going to receive that nourishment with a humble, teachable heart? And are we going to hold on to that nourishment so that through the week, the Lord who has planned, remember what I said in the beginning, the Lord wants to speak something to you. And the Lord wants to speak something to your local church and to the body of Christ as a whole. So if you have been faithful and faithful God loves faithfulness so much if you have been faithful to position yourself to receive that then whatever is coming up in the week ahead you will have you'll be ready you'll have the wisdom you will be ready if you hold on to it and remember it and apply it so it's kind of like God says okay I know what's ahead I know what's going to happen this week to all of you. So I'm giving you this word of encouragement. This is practical. This is life. This is reality. Some of it you're not going to need for five years. But you're going to need some of this this week. You're going to need some of this tomorrow night because you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to sin against the Lord. Or tomorrow night you're going to be tempted you're going to be tempted to believe a lie about yourself that isn't true. So anyway, I hope that you guys will position yourself with a humble, teachable heart to receive in the sermon, to receive in Bible studies, and to be nurtured by the Lord so that you can have a victorious overcoming week, week after week after week. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful, blessed week. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Radio with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Radio Network.